Okay, we are reading The Home Ranch by Ralph Moody, published by University of Nebraska Press, uh, copyright 1956. Father, thank you that we have the joy of reading about adventures in Colorado and of thinking about mountains and cows and horses and um, check wagons and all kinds of things. It's It's a great thing to remember of who's gone before us and those who traveled these paths before we were ever on this earth. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 3, I've seen you before. The sun had just risen and was streaming in through the bunkhouse doorway when I woke up that first morning at Bachelet's Home Ranch. For a minute, I didn't know where I was. Then I saw Sid and remembered, but thought I must still be dreaming. He was wearing a white shirt, creased pants, and new boots, and was shaving at a washstand in the corner. I knew it was Sunday morning that thought Sid must be getting ready for the church, but I couldn't understand where he got his good clothes. He wasn't lugging anything when we left the check wagon the afternoon before. I was lying there trying to figure it out when Sid spied me in the mirror and sang out, Bye, jeepers, little britches. You sure ripped off a heap of shingles last night. Hope you don't snore that away excepting when you're plumb beat out. Sounded like a lost hootie owl in a blizzard. Jenny Wren's got the flapjacks coming up. You'd best rise and shine. I swung to my feet onto the floor and sat up and asked, You going to church this morning? Shucks no, he said. Ain't no church closer than Castle Rock or the Springs, and there's plenty room for worshiping right close to home. Ain't a man got a right to get slicked up without he's going to church? None of the cowhands I'd ever worked with got dressed up unless they were going to town, but I was more interested in how Sid got dressed than dressed up than why. Sure, he's got a right to, I said. But what I can't figure out is how you brought your good clothes and razor along. I didn't see any saddlebags on your rig when we left the chuck wagon. Come to think about it, there wasn't, he said. Then how did you get your things out here, I asked. Oh, a little bird flowed out here with my war sack bright and early this morning. Hmm, you couldn't have slept. You couldn't have had much sleep, I said. It must be 20 miles to where we left the wagon and back. Didn't reckon a man could sleep in late when you'd taken on... Like a sick calf, did you? If you knowed as much about this here layout as what I do, you'd shake a leg and get slicked up a mite before we go to the check house for flapjacks. Jenny Wren ain't the only bird in this bush. I couldn't do much about getting slicked up, but I took off my chaps and spurs, washed my face and hands, and combed my hair. Before we'd been in the check house five minutes, I began to understand why Sid had ridden all the way to the check wagon to get his good clothes, and why he told me I'd get slicked up if... I knew much as much about the layout as he did. On the YB and most of the other big ranches, the Chuck House was a separate building with its own kitchen and a man cook. But it wasn't that way at Bachelors Ranch. Our Chuck House was a good-sized log room built onto the back of the house. It had a big fireplace with three easy chairs and a couple of card tables around it. Down the middle of the room, there was an oil cloth covered table long enough for 20 or more places with chairs instead of benches. Opposite the fireplace, there was a doorway that connected with the main kitchen of the house. When Sid and I came in, there were eight or ten men in bib overalls and blue jumpers. Sitting at the end of the table nearest us, separated from them, at the the end nearest the kitchen, were Mr. Bachelet, Zeb, Hank, three men I hadn't seen before, and a boy. Here he is now, called Mr. Bachelet. Come on over here, little britches, and meet the folks. By dang, you sure hit the bunk in a hurry last night. How you making that? Out ready for some check? Fine, I said as I walked around the table to him. I didn't know how tired I was until I got here last night, and I didn't know how hungry I was till right now. 
Betcha my life you're hungry, a big man across the table laughed. I tried eating some of Hank Bevan's chuck a couple years back. Sit in, sit in, grubs on the fire. Buy a doggies, Walt, Hank shouted. Give me a parcel of good dry prairie chips, and Mr. Batchelet didn't let him get any further. This is Watt Bent, he said. He's ranch boss, and next is Kenny and Ned and Tom. The boys down yonder are the dairymen. Ned and Tom were just ordinary cowhands in the early 30s, but Kenny looked to be about five years older. To be about five years old. He was sitting up as straight as a prairie dog beside his father and watching me with bright blue eyes. I seen you before, he chirped as soon as Mr. Bachelor had finished. Hazel cut your picture out of the paper. I knew it must have been the picture that was in the Denver paper at the time High Beckman and I won the trick riding contest at the Littleton Roundup. It wasn't a very good one because my hat shaded my face so much it was mostly black. I was just going to tell Kenny so when a voice from the kitchen doorway snapped. I did not either. It just happened to be on the back of an old ad I cut out. <laughs> I had to look around Mr. Bachelet to see who was talking, and then I wasn't too sure. Four girls were standing in the doorway, and all but one of them were looking right at me. That one was nearly as tall as I, had long reddish braids that hung down in front of her shoulders, a snubby nose, and a million freckles. The others ran down in stair steps to one who looked to be about three. Well, I said, it wasn't a very good picture anyway. I don't know. I didn't hardly look at it, the tallest one said sharply. You did too, Hazel, the next tallest squealed. You stuck it up on the... I did not, Hazel snapped, and ducked back into the kitchen without ever looking at me. I was just turning back to the table when I heard a crisp, Toot, toot, gangway, from the kitchen. Then I looked around. Again, one of the prettiest girls I ever saw was coming through the doorway. She must have been about 20 or 21 and not more than five feet tall, with eyes just like Kenny's. And honey-colored, wavy hair piled high on her head. She was wearing high-heeled shoes with a little white apron over a pink calico dress and carrying a big plate of steaming flapjacks. Every move she made was quick and perky, like a sparrow's. Flapjacks, did you know what those are? Pancakes. Those are pancakes. As I watched her, Sid sang out, Hi, Jenny Wren. Hi, everybody, she said as she put the plate of flapjacks down. You'd better light right into these while they're hot. There's another batch on the stove. Then she looked at me and said, So you're little britches? That's what they call me, Miss Wren, I said, but my name's Ralph Moody. Everybody started laughing, even Jenny. Then she hugged her arm around my neck for half a second and said, Well, it's only this runty little redhead that calls me Jenny Wren. My name's Jenny Warren, and I teach school at Castle Rock. I saw you ride in Littleton Roundup last summer and the year before. You haven't grown an inch, have you? Yes, Miss Warren, I said. I've grown nearly two inches. I'm Miss Warren only in school, she told me, and school's out until after Labor Day. Here, I'm Jenny. That first plate of flapjacks didn't last more than five minutes, and it was Mrs. Bent who brought in the next plateful. She was Jenny's sister, but they didn't look or act very much alike. She was quite a little older, taller, thinner, and had straight ash-colored hair with sort of faded blue eyes. She looked tired, and her voice was kind of sharp. When she set the plate down, Mrs. Mr. Batchelet said, Helen, this is Little Britches, the boy I was telling you about. Mrs. Bent looked at me without a word and said, Batch, you ain't going to take that little boy out there with the trading crews, are you? Why, he can't be no older than Hazel. Mr. Batchelet winked at me and said, He's older than you think. He's worked cattle a couple summers. He'll make out all right. Well, I'd never let him do it if he was a boy of mine. Thank the Lord I had mostly girls or what." would be trying to make cowhounds out of them already. 
I poured more syrup on my flapjacks and thanked the Lord that I wasn't a boy of hers. Mother was scary enough about my working around horses and cattle, but she never said I couldn't do it. <laughs> After the flapjacks, Jenny brought in a big platter of fried eggs and sausage cakes and fried potatoes and hot biscuits. I ate until I was ready to pop, and Kenny ate almost as much as I did. Only his head and shoulders came above the top of the table, but he was trying as hard as he could to be a man. He'd pound his knife handle on the table and snap out, Pass the spuds! Pass the bread! Pass the meat! Once he looked over at me and said, Betcha my life my bro could do more tricks than your old mare. Lady can't do many tricks, I told him. My trick horse was a blue roan named Sky High. He didn't belong to me, but to the YB Ranch where I used to work. Betcha my life my bro could be him. Betcha my life you can't ride Jack. Hank was telling some long-winded story about the way he used to ride horses. But Mr. Batchelet pushed his chair back and said, Well, it's time we get just getting at it. What? How about you and me... Uh, how about you and me riding out to look over the cow stuff while the boys round up some saddle stock? I want them that's going to be working cattle to pick their summer string today. Then we'll put the rest of the bunch up on the mountain ranch. Need to save all the grass on the home place for cows. He looked around at the men and went on, I want every man to have a fair shake of the horses. So what? And I'll pick right along with you. We'll pick and go rounds. No changing your mind after you've made your pick. Hank? You and Zeb go haul in the check wagon. Sid, you and Little Britches can go along with Ned and Tom to round up the saddle stock. All through breakfast, Sid had been trying to get Jenny to talk to him. She hadn't paid any more attention than if he'd been a chipmunk chattering. But once she made his face redder than Thornberry when she asked me, Does this other little boy go to school with you? Zeb and Hank saddled up for the, to go for the check wagon when we left the check house. But Sid had to go and change into his working clothes. I went to the buckhouse with him to get my chaps and spurs. He was a little bit grumpy and grumbled at me. Daggone you little britches. You didn't have to let on to Jenny Wren that I hightailed down to the check wagon to get my glad rags this morning. You put in your time getting Hazel to hug you around the neck. Then little Jenny Wren Wren's too growed up for you. I hadn't liked it too well when Jenny hugged me right there at the table. And I didn't like Sid joshing me about Hazel. I guess I was grumpy as he... And said, I didn't come out here to get hugged. I came to work cattle. Then I strapped on my spurs and went to Saddle Lady. So I could look around a little before we went to the bring in the remuda. Lady, do you know what a remuda is? You probably don't. That's the, that's the herd of horses that all the cowboys will ride. So the name of all those horses gathered together is a remuda. Lady was as well rested as I when I tossed my saddle onto her that Sunday morning. But she wasn't any more used than I to the kind of riding we were going to be doing. We'd always worked in the prairie country where she could take, could take and hold a steady gait and we could see where we were going. It wasn't that way at Bachelors Ranch. The home place was tucked right up against the front range of the Rockies and it seemed as if they had pushed the land out and crumpled it up into knolls, gulches, arroyos, and mesas. There was hardly a place where a horse could get a straight run of a quarter mile. On the high ground, clumps of scrub oak, scrub oak stood so thick we could seldom see a hundred yards ahead. And along the creek beds, the trails wound through the thickets of willow and alder, alder. It made perfect summer shade and winter shelter for cattle, but it made the work of a prairie horse and cowhand a nightmare. It wasn't only in the lay of the land that Bachelet's home ranch was different from others. At the YB, or any of the other prairie ranches where I'd worked before, the buildings except for the house, where the help never went, didn't amount to much. 
There was just a bunkhouse, chuck house, a few corrals, and a barn that was mostly saddle shop and forge. Beef cattle were born, grazed, branded, and doctored if they needed to be on the open range. Only in the worst blizzards, a few doggy cabs were brought into the corrals of the home place. Steers were trailed from the range to the railroad for shipping to market, and fences were hated worse than wolves and rattlesnakes. Ranching at Bachelors was just the opposite. It was half stock raising and half dairy farming, and the two halves didn't mix any more than horses and cattle do. <clears throat> the outbuildings at the home ranch were a regular village, and the dairy part of it was entirely separate from the stock raising and handling. No cowboy would think of milk on a cow or feeding a calf or hog, and no dairy hand ever rode a horse. We even slept in separate bunkhouses. I don't know what the dairymen thought about cow hands, but the fellows in our crew didn't have much use for dairy hands. Milk cows that were going to be traded to families in Denver couldn't be branded and turned loose on the range to raise their calves as beef cattle did. It would have spoiled them for milkers, and they'd have grown too wild. Because many of them were not branded, they had to be kept inside of fences. And they had to be brought into the corrals often enough to keep them used to being handled. As soon as calves were born, they and their mothers were brought in and turned over to the dairy crew. There they were separated. The mothers were put into the dairy herd and the calves were raised by hand until they were old enough to be put out to graze in the calf pasture. And there ends our chapter.